mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bibles with me to John chapter 6. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 41. Uh, but by way of review, of course, John is a, the longest chapter possibly in the New Testament. I did not even check that out, but it looks like it is. 71 verses, I think, is probably uh, the longest. Uh, we see Jesus speaking about being the bread of life. Now, how did he begin to set that up? Well, these people are following him, and he asked Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? And Philip says, well, 200 denarii, we can't feed these people with that. It's not enough. Well, it's not sufficient. So they find the little boy with his lunch. And, of course, we, we know that as the feeding of the 5,000. And then the following day, after Jesus tries to get the boys away to get some rest and puts them in a boat, he goes and prays. Here they are on the other side uh, in Capernaum. And they said, how did you get here, Jesus? And instead of him answering what they're saying, he answers their hearts. And he says, surely you seek after me, not because you, let me read it to you. I'm trying to, I was getting ready to quote it. It's uh, 26, 626. I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You were glutton. And then he gives this, this, this um, exhortation, and we would do well to heed it. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Listen, what are you laboring for in life? What are you pursuing? What are you seeking? Is it to have your stomach full? Is it to take care of your physical needs? or your spiritual needs. As we've always talked about, this life is about the spirit. This is a courtroom. This is a time period of 70, 80 years where we are here to be tested and to tried and find to be found faithful in doing the work of God, coming to the Son of God, the Savior that has been appointed by God. And what are you laboring for? Where have you given your heart to is it for the physical or for the spiritual? And that's what we're going to find as we really get into this uh, um, sermon, you would call it, the teaching that Jesus does concerning the bread of life. And what are you feeding yourself? Are you feeding yourself physical bread or spiritual bread? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus is the bread of life. He made that claim in our last lesson, uh, and it really sets them off. 
But remember what we talked about from Exodus chapter 3 when he said, I am ego of me. He's saying, I am God. I'm here with you. And this is really going to tick them off as Jews because he's saying, I am. And they don't get it. I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. They don't get it. And they, why? Because they're looking in the physical. They're not looking for the spiritual. Now, we need to set this up a little bit, too. Actually, if you want to understand it, in this culture, they all look for rabbis. They look for teachers. They grew up underneath them. They're looking for somebody to teach them. They're looking for somebody to follow. That's why when you see these guys off fishing and doing taxes and stuff, and Jesus comes and says, follow me, they were grateful to be able to be called by a teacher. This is what they wanted to do. They had all been to Hebrew High. And they'd all been sent home because they had been found wanting, that they weren't the people that were going to be the next teachers. They weren't the ones that the, the, the famous rabbis wanted to follow them. So they sent them home. So they became fishermen like their dad. They became tax collectors. They became zealots. We had Simon the Zealot. There's other things. But now somebody comes and picks from the back of the line. Jesus comes and says, follow me. And here they are following and he's teaching them. And then there's these whole crowds that are following because they see the signs that he's doing. And Jesus gives them this message, this sermon, if you will. He's teaching them. Verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And you know what they say is, give it to us always. Give me this always. Make sure my cupboards are full. Make sure that I always have bread. Make sure that I always have drink. Make sure that I never, never physically desire anything else because I'm already gluttoned. Think about that. Isn't that the natural man? Isn't that what you and I do? We don't want to be hungry. I'm starving. How many times have you said, I'm starving? Let's go somewhere and eat. I'm starving. Really, nobody's starving in America. I know people would take exception to me on that, but we're not starving. But we say stuff like that. There's literally people that are starving. There's literally people in the world that are drinking out of mud puddles. They don't have clean water. All we worry about sometimes is our physical. I need to make sure I'm not hungry. I need to make sure I'm not thirsty. And Jesus is here to take care of the spiritual. Because it is about the spiritual. We're not to regard anybody of flesh and blood anymore. This is a spiritual God, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual life. There's a spiritual war. It's not a playground. It's a battleground for souls. And that's why Jesus came and gave his life. And he says that's why he came down. And he came down. We closed in verse 40. Why did he come down? Not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father who sent him. And we would ask ourselves this question, whose will are we doing in life? See, if we've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, shouldn't we be doing the will of the Father who sent Jesus? Shouldn't we be following the example of Jesus? Shouldn't we be following, looking for what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a Christian? So as we continue, let's just go ahead and read in 41. Uh, I hope I didn't muddy that up. I was trying to give some insight to why we're here because it's such a long chapter. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. 
And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one, can, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father." Most assuredly, amen, amen, verily, verily, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, your son, says much here in this text, and we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. Help us to unravel this, Lord, and see clearly the spiritual food that you have for us this morning. We know that you are the living bread that has come down from heaven born from above. 
and we have been born again from above. And we want to be fed by food that comes from you, not from this world. Lord, help us not to listen to earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom, but to be fed by your spirit from above. Prepare us for your kingdom. Prepare us for your work. Prepare us to glorify you in all that we do. Help us to finish the race that you have set before us. And here, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Now listen, they're complaining about Jesus. So people are always complaining about Jesus. But we're told specifically what is wrong with them. What they're complaining about. Or the word means to murmured, to grumble. You ever grumble? I'm chief of grumbling. Ask my wife. I'm chief of grumbling. But I'm not grumbling about Jesus. Well, are we or are we not? See, when you grumble about life, you're really grumbling about what God is doing in your life. See, everything is God is testing and trying and perfecting and working out in you everything that he wants to do for his glory. So when we grumble and complain and murmur, we're really grumbling against God's will. We're supposed to be content with what God is doing. We're supposed to look at it and grow from it. Ask God to have wisdom for it and what we're doing in it so that he can continue to burn out the dross in our life. So any murmuring or complaining is not against your parents. It's not against your spouse. It's not against your boss. It's really against the God who's sovereign over everything, who has sent a Savior to die for you to perfect you, to wash you and cleanse you. And so when we speak and we think that it's just, oh, I'm just speaking what I should be able to speak because I have a right to be upset by that and murmur about that and grumble about her or grumble about him. No, you're really grumbling at God. Now, I want you to understand that if you go read it, I'm not going to go there today, but if you wish to go, and this could be your homework, to Exodus 16, you will find that everything that was going on when the manna came down from heaven was because the children that God had delivered out of slavery were in the wilderness grumbling, murmuring against Moses, against Aaron, against God. And that's what the text really teaches is that you're not mumbling against the leadership. You're not mumbling against and murmuring against uh, uh, your spouse or, or your boss or against the, the, the spiritual leadership, which was at that time Moses and Aaron, but against God and his provision for your life. When we complain and we murmur and we, and we grumble. So how is your conversation now, see, they don't like the truth. That's what they're murmuring about. Now, it could be set up by false teaching, or it could be set up by their flesh, where they're just wanting some more physical food, and Jesus is trying to get them to transition into understanding it's a spiritual life. But they're still in the flesh. They're still carnal. They're still biting and murmuring and complaining and nipping at one another instead of denying self, taking up their cross and following Jesus and looking to do the will of God. Again, I am chief of this. I will put myself right in there in the basket. 
So they murmur about the word of God. Oh, what is it, the word of God? I am the bread which came down from heaven. Think about that for a minute. How much more truth could you have than God's anointed son, the virgin-born Jesus, came down from heaven? He wasn't born from this earth. He was carried in his mother's womb, but the Holy Spirit overshadowed his mother. And so he literally is, is potentially speaking of the virgin birth. He came down from heaven. And he says this about 12 times in this text. That he came from above. So what are they doing? Watch. They're complaining. They're mumbling. They're grumbling about the very truth of what God said he was going to do. Send a Messiah. 42. And they said, this is what they said, because they reasoned. They thought they seen all the physical facts. Is not this Jesus, Ioesis, I mean, you can pronounce it different, the, the J is not there, the son of Joseph, which means he will add, whose father and mother, his mother Mary, their rebellion, that's what that means, he will add their rebellion, we know. Yeah, they know him well, they live in the same towns together, they're there in Galilee. How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Pay attention, because this is what they're grumbling about, the provision of God for the sin nature, the Savior of the world, and they're grumbling about it. And how, how's it, what's it going to lead to? 666, verse 666, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. What does it lead to? The Jews end up crucifying the bread of life that came down from heaven to provide for us because of familiarity. They knew his mom. They knew his dad. They knew who Joseph was. They knew who Mary was. And here this guy's saying he came down from heaven. Listen, you have to set your heart to believe the word of God. If you set your heart to not believe the word of God, that you want to listen to something else, well, wait a minute, and we've been here, we've been here a bunch of times, and I'm going to be here again, and I'm always going to go there. But what about the other books? What about the one, the book of Enoch? What about, what about, what about, what about Thomas? What about, what about? You can always find something else to talk about, to think about, to, to add into. But that's what the devil did, didn't he? Didn't he say, what about? Didn't he say, did God really say and give you something else to chew on? Wasn't that something that, that caused you to doubt the word of God in unbelief? Let's continue. 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. Listen to me. This is, this is very important what God's word says. To us. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is saying to us, do not complain and grumble and murmur among yourselves. Same word. Complained was it, it was translated once. Now it's murmur. What is that? Do not murmur among yourselves. Notice what's left out. God's left out. See, when you only murmur among yourselves and you don't bring the wisdom of God into it, you're, you're murmuring without the truth. 
You're murmuring because of flesh. You're murmuring because of what you want. You have to bring the truth in, what Jesus said. I am the bread of life that come down from heaven. This is what changes the entire life, is that the bread of life, that Jesus the Christ has become flesh and dwelt among us. God himself, the one who is the living father, the one who is life, the one who has life. Jesus says he has life because of the living father later in the text. And if you want to have life, you have to have it through this bread, through the one who brings life. But when you murmur, and I think of this all the time, and this is where I'm always at, is that, listen, I can murmur and complain, or I can listen to the word of God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to react in this? Think of what they would have said if they would have said, wait a minute, is it Mary and Joseph, his parents? Wow, let's go ask him about that. Let's just ask him, say, hey, you came down from heaven. What do you mean by that? Because we, your, your mom's over here, Mary, and Joseph's over here. And could he have said to them that he was born of a virgin? I mean, think about when you just add it in. You and I know this down the corridors of times. It's added in. But all those that are going to, to deny him and crucify him, they don't believe that truth, that he's virgin born, that he's God in the flesh. And they follow the earthly, central, demonic wisdom of what they see instead of believing by faith the word of God that is given to them. Do not murmur among yourselves. Listen, do not just stay in your little group. Do not just stay in your, even in your marriage. Do not, I'm not telling you to leave your marriage, but don't argue and murmur just in your little group. See, it can be a click in a church. It can, be, it can be your family, and all you have is just the wisdom that's there. Seek counsel from outside of that little click, that little group, that marriage. Look for the wisdom of God to be added to what you're doing. And don't just say, well, I see what he did, and I see what he said, and I see. But ask for the wisdom of God to be added to it before you make your war. And the multitude of counselors wage your war. No one, verse 44, no one, get a calculator out, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We see that a lot too, because if you come to Jesus, he's going to raise you up on the last day. That's completing the work that he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. The problem is a lot of people don't come to Jesus. A lot of people come to church. A lot of people come to a clique. A lot of people come to a group. A lot of people come to a building. But do they come to a person? Do they come to Jesus and commit to him? That's what's so important to come and commit to what the living word tells you. Now, you're seeing uh, um, no one can come to me unless, except is the word in the King James, and it, and it has an expression of an absolute denial. There's no other way unless the Father draws him. Now, don't change the rest of the gospel by this. See, Jesus died for everyone. 
We already had that in chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever shall believe in him would not perish, would not die, but would have everlasting life. So we know that it has to start with a commitment of confident trust, believing, the word pistio, to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ, who is the bread of life. He's just saying the same thing again to us. Listen, he's not saying anything new. He's just using Old Testament commentary to help us understand that if you eat physical bread, you're going to die. If you eat of the bread of life of Jesus and his word, you're going to live. So the father draws all men. Look, everybody is drawn at a certain time. That word's really a strange word because it actually means to drag. The word draws means to drag, literally or figuratively. But, but it comes from a word that I like better. It means to coil or to wrap, to fold up or fold together. See, no one's going to become one with Jesus unless the, unless the Father draws them. And how does he do that, Greg? Well, he does it with the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that later. We'll see that when he tells us that the Spirit of God in chapter 16 is here to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. We're going to know that it's the Spirit of God but because the Father sent the Spirit that draws us and reveals that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the bread of life. And if you hear that and learn from it and continue to abide and dwell in that and eat from this, this bread of life, then you're going to end up in heaven on the other side, the same way they did in the boat. Now, listen to me, don't, don't think that, oh my goodness, he just said, I have to hear that, I have to believe that, I have to continue to eat of that, I have to do some works to be saved and get to the other side. That's not what I said. But this is what belief does when you begin to trust and you believe you're saved and now you want to abide, you want to continue, you want to remain, you want to stand and trust that this is the bread of life. It's the word of God that come down from heaven. It's the bread that comes down. Do you believe that? You have to set your mind on that or you can keep murmuring, yeah, but I don't like this part. I believe Jesus is Lord, but I don't like, and I'm not going to, but I'm going to, you know, yeah, but that's Greg's opinion. Let's, let's, let's start all the way over again. The Holy Spirit draws you to truth. You can eat or you can reject it. You can receive it and believe it and walk in it and be led by the Spirit and become children of God. Or you can continue in your rebellion fighting with God. I, I, always, I like to use the verse 1 John 5, 19. You know that if you've been around. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath wickedness. Now think about that. If you had that bread right there, that word of life, that the Bible tells you that, and then you go on chasing the things of the world, does that make sense? If you go on laboring for that which perishes, does that make sense? You're laboring and chasing and putting all your eggs in a basket where there's earthly, central, demonic wisdom. 
Instead of going, wait a minute, I need to be on guard here because my flesh wants to go that way because the whole world's underneath the sway of the wicked one. But I am now a spiritual man. I am now a spiritual person that's eating from the bread of life. And I've been warned not to labor for those things and not to pursue them, but to keep seeking God. And if I seek God and his righteousness, I know that all these other things will be added to me. So you can't get the cart before the horse. I'm not saying, oh, just quit working. Oh, just quit laboring. Just quit doing. No, that's your mission field. But if you begin to seek the world first and then say, after I get this stuff, then I'll worry about God's righteousness, you've got it upside downward. And it's never going to be blessed. It's always going to lead to death. It's always going to lead to frustration. It's always going to lead to murmuring and complaining. It's always going to lead to leaving God out. But if you begin to practice putting God first, what did you call me to do? What's my gifts? What's my talents? What's my abilities? And you understand that it's the Holy Spirit that's wooing you and drawing you into all truth. Not just the first truth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, but all truth. But you, everybody's given that. You know, somebody will use this verse and go, that shows right there that only some people are drawn, only the ones that the Father draws. That's a lie from the pit of hell because it would put contradictions in the Bible. See, God draws everybody. How many people did he take out in the wilderness? Did he just take out the ones that were going to go in? He could have just left all the rest of them in Egypt and just took Caleb and Joshua. Right? No, he took everyone. We, have a, we, have, we always have the Old Testament to keep us right. Listen to me. He took all of the tribes of Israel. And then while he was in the wilderness, he gave them a choice whether they wanted to listen or whether they wanted to continue to harden their heart and rebel and live the way they were. What did they want to do? They wanted to go back to Egypt where the garlics and the leeks and the onions were. At least we had meat. Read chapter 16 of Exodus. I'm not going to read it. I do that a lot. I go read a whole chapter. It's there. They wanted to go back to where at least they had meat. Yes, but you were dead. You were in bondage. You were in slavery. You had no life except what you were told to do. Now you're free to go out and speak truth to others. You're no longer in bondage. And what Christ has set free is free indeed. We'll get to that in chapter 8. Listen to me. The Father draws you. Notice this, you can't come to him unless the father who sent him. He makes sure again that he was sent. Jesus has been sent on a mission. You and I have been sent on a mission. No, there's a reason why we are saved, because we trust Jesus, but we're also sent once we come to salvation. And we're sent to do the same thing that the father's already doing. I'll show you that in a minute. So the Father's drawing you, He's dragging you, He's wrapping you together, He's making you one with Christ, and He will raise you up on the last day. Here it is, 45. Let's start, I just finish this thought. It is written, notice Jesus points to the Scripture, and we should always point to the Scriptures. In the prophets, the inspired speakers of the Old Testament, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So you hear that Jesus is Lord. Listen, 
You cannot be saved. You cannot believe in Jesus. You cannot know that he's the Savior and the bread of life unless the Father has spoken clearly to you. So you can clearly say, I have heard the voice of God, and I believe that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that today. Because there's no other way unless he draws you. And no one can come to the Father unless it's through the Son. But listen to me, and it says, and they shall all be taught by God. Not going to go there either. It's Isaiah 54, 13. It's right after our, our memory verse is Isaiah uh, 53, 6. 53 is all about Christ's coming. It's all about Jesus. And then what's going to happen, Greg? You'll need nobody to teach you because God will teach you. The Spirit is the teacher. There, you don't need anybody to teach you. Well, what are you doing right now? You're teaching. No, the Spirit of God is. You're not here to hear from me. You're here to hear from God. Listen, you're here to hear from God. You're here to hear the Spirit of God speak to your heart, and you hear, and then you learn from it, and then you go and you teach others. Well, what do you mean? Well, that's what he sent us to do. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and teach. Listen, that's all we do when we share the word of God. We're sharing the bread of life. We're sharing truth. And when the Father, when you hear that, the Father draws you into that and you go, I like that. That's my daily bread. That's my meal for today. That's my spiritual food today. This is what keeps me going. This is what gives me life. And now I go share it with somebody else. And it's not me who's teaching. It's the Spirit of God who is teaching when you agree. But if your mind is so focused upon physical you miss it you don't hear it you don't glean it i'm not getting it and therefore you need to ask god to help you get it to to remove the dross you need to gain uh what he is saying uh by asking him to shut down all the physical and draw near to god and he'll draw near to you so again go back to I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. Whose sway are you under? Are you dwelling and swaying and, and living in wickedness? Or are you in the presence of God? Are you living for him, for his will? Are you eating his bread? Are you drawing near to him? They shall all be taught by God. Who is teaching you? Is it earthly, central, demonic wisdom? Messed up Bible stories? Or is it the testimony of a faithful God who has come to save the least and the lost? All of these, whomsoever will come to him. So everyone who has heard, heard is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear it, and then you learn, which means to understand or to increase in knowledge. Do you come to hear so that you can feel good? Or are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you becoming more like him? More like he was in the flesh? More like he is as God? Are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit because you're hearing and then you're learning? I think learning, listen to me, I think learning takes repentance because all of life is a series of repentance. Learning means you have to change your mind. 
I've been believing the lie. I've been murmuring and complaining. I've been rejecting. I've been thinking this. And now I just come to an understanding of because I heard and I learned. So you have to change your mind to learn. You have to say no to self to learn. Because if you already know it, you're not learning. But if you're believing a lie and underneath the sway of the wicked one, and you hear the truth and you reject it, then you're continuing under that lie. You're not eating the bread that you need to be eating. So in, in order to continue, we have to not only just hear, but learn from the Father and come to me, is what he says. And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned, this is not, this is not you working your salvation, it's working it out from the Father, comes to me. Let's look at Titus 2. Is that what we're reading today? Titus 1 or Titus 2? Did we start the book today? Titus 1. Titus 2. This is what you'll read tomorrow if you're reading with us. 2.11. Uh, what is going on? What is this example? What is this flesh that has come and died, laid his life down, fulfilled his anointing. He, for this purpose I have come, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. Uh, 2.11, for the grace of God, so we know that Christ is the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense, that brings salvation. He's bringing deliverance from the sin nature. He has appeared, it's his first advent, to who? To all men. Not to some men. To all men. What's he doing, Greg? Verse 12. Look, he's teaching. Are you learning? He's teaching. Are you learning? Listen to me. It's one thing to hear, but to not become a doer, learning what he's teaching, growing in the knowledge, increasing, is to deceive yourself. We've been here many times. Same thing being said. And he's teaching us to do what? To deny self, to deny the sin nature. You can, you can, you can ungodliness, worldly lust, and that what, Greg? We should live soberly. Have your mind ready. Be sober-minded, not drunk with want, not drunk with covetousness, not drunk with sin, but a sober mind and, and looking at his righteousness, because that's the only way you're going to live righteously and godly in this present age. And what are we doing while we're doing this, while he's teaching us, while we're growing? Uh, we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing, his second coming, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gave himself for us, that he might redeem for us, or might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works and he says and continuing there paul tells titus on the island of crete speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one despise you listen he's teaching us are we learning are we hearing and learning or do we hear and go do we say it's life is normal is this daily bread changing our lives are we, are, are we looking to be changed? Or we just say, well, I'm going to go listen to the pastor 
Listen, you're listening to the Holy Spirit who is drawing you to be more like Christ. He draws you to God, and now he's making you like God in the image of God. Not a God, but in the image of God. Filling you full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of us are his workmanship. We're all works in progress. And we're to receive one another where we're at. And he says in verse 46, Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. In other words, he's saying he himself has seen the Father. 47, Most assuredly, verily, verily, amen, amen, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Again, make sure that you hone in on that. Not works. To entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ, you have everlasting life. And he makes sure he says that. Again, he repeats himself over and over. That's one thing you'll notice in this text, chapter 6, um, is that he continues, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. He repeats himself. They murmur, they complain, they argue. He reasons with them and he repeats himself again. He murmured, it's what he's doing in your life right now. It's what he's doing in my life right now. He's continuing to repeat himself. He's continuing to give the testimony that we're sinners who need a Savior. We're sinners who want to eat the physical bread, but he wants us to know that we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. That's where the life comes from. And then he keeps repeating it. We murmur, we complain, we get up, we go. We're tested, we're tried, we come back. He's doing the same thing. He's saying the same thing. And we're supposed to be learning it. We're supposed to be getting it. We're supposed to be growing from it and going because of it to others and teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And he's promised us, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Forty-eight again, and this is as clear as you can get it. Verse forty-eight: I am ego ami, the bread of life. But he's talking about spiritual life. But you can have it in the physical, in this body that you're in. I am the bread of life. Again, looking back at Exodus. He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to come down from God. He's the bread from heaven. I came down from heaven. And we revisit the same thing that was said last time. They brought it up. Now he's bringing it up. Your fathers ate the manna, which meant what is it, in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now we're going to get into dangerously where people in the flesh think, oh, he's talking about cannibalism. Because he's going to say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's talking of the spiritual realm. But what is he doing? He's given us an example. His flesh is going to die on a cross. His blood is going to be poured out on the altar of God. 
for the salvation of the world. It's going to be an offering for the souls. So he's talking about the example that you should commit to, I should commit to, of what he did in the flesh, what he did on the cross. He gave his life for others, which I shall give for the life of the world. So we continue to seek manna or physical, and we'll die, just like the children did in the wilderness. They hardened their heart. They didn't see by faith that God was providing for them spiritually, and they died in the wilderness. But if we eat of this life, this flesh, what he's doing, his example, commit to what he's done, we can live. It is hard to understand if you're standing there in the flesh and you just ate yesterday and your belly's grumbling and you're saying, we want some more bread, we want some more food, and all you're concerned about is getting food. All you're concerned about is getting um, your next meal. But if you're concerned about your eternal soul, then you'll believe this example and commit to this God who come down from heaven the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So what do they do again? In the flesh, 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Again, they're looking at the carnal. They're looking at the physical. They're not looking at the spiritual of him fulfilling his calling, his anointing, and dying on the cross for them as a living sacrifice. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow. Now see, is he, is he pinning them down to their decision? to their physical or their spiritual? I mean, because it's almost like, well, how would you understand this unless the Father was giving you spiritual understanding at that time? Unless the Father was allowing you. But if your heart stays on the physical, you're not going to understand the spiritual. Jesus is not talking about cannibalism. Nor is he talking about communion. Communion will become a type of remembrance of this, a celebration, but he's not talking about communion. He will institute communion later to remember his death, burial, and resurrection, to remember his body broken, his body given. But this spiritual food has to be eaten. Think about this for a minute. If you eat something, where does it go? Does it go in you? So if you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, where does it go? Where the Holy Spirit, Christ himself, the bread of life, enters in you and seals you until the day of redemption. It's a spiritual food that's eaten by your spirit when you believe. It's believing. It's trusting. Not seeing, but believing. And you can only do that when God allows you to do that but he wants everybody to believe or the word of God would be wrong when he says it's not the will of the father for any to die, perish, 
but all to come to repentance. Change your mind. Don't just hear that Jesus is Lord, but learn it and change your mind and begin to trust him and grow and go and fulfill your ministry just like he did in the flesh. You deny yourself. You lay your life down. You give yourself away, not in your own strength, but by the Spirit of God, finding out what the will of the Lord is. As you look to Jesus, as you wait for His glorious appearing, allow Him to purify you and prepare you as His own special people that are zealous for good works. Not your works, but His works, His labors, what He's called us to do. Well, what's He called us to do? Just share the gospel. Just be a witness. No matter what people are saying, just share the truth. And it's really easy when you start to talk to somebody, you can tell whether the Father is drawing them or not. You can see whether the, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're listening. But listen, don't, be, don't, be, don't do this. This is what happens a lot of times. People come up with all these little fancy ways to share Jesus. And then when somebody shuts them down, when they start talking, they never give them the Word of God. See, it's the Word of God that's the bread of life. No matter what people say, always finish. Always share the word of God with them. How you doing today? None of your business. Okay, have a nice day. We didn't share the word of God. See what I mean? Now listen, I'm just telling you. That's what the devil wants. But also, if you stick with it, and you'll see this as you go out and witness, not everybody's going to receive it. Not everybody's being drawn, but there is a time in life when people are be, everybody's being drawn at one time. And they can resist, and they can fight, and they can grieve, and God will drag you sometimes. I've been dragged to places where I didn't want to go. Not in a mean way. It's a compelling. It's like, I didn't even want to go there, and now I'm there. And that's because God does stuff like that sometimes. But you always want to share. Because no matter what's going on in that person's life, what do they need? They need the bread of life. They're standing there looking at you dead. And, and, and they hate their death. And you have the cure. And when they grumble a little bit, you walk away and go, I'm done. That was easy. I tried. No, they need to hear the truth. I was sharing with a guy the other day, and I don't want to hear about it. I was forced to be a Jehovah Witness when I was a kid, and, and I don't want to hear it. I was in the aisles of Walmart, one of my favorite places, Menards, Walmart, wherever I go, gas station. And you know what? Most people just shut up after that. You don't have to shut up after that. I mean, why not just say, well, I'm sorry you had to go through that because Jehovah Witnesses is a false cult and they have nothing to do with God and people are going to hurt you and mistreat you and you're not going to like it. And that's the devil's plan is that you would hate religion because, but that's got nothing to do with God. God still loves you and died for you. So what's God saying to you? Not what you were forced to do as a kid. Now you're a man. What are you going to do? And then you share scripture with them that, God died for you. He loves you. And, and everything that happened in your life was for this moment that, that is being ordained right now where you're being drawn to God and you can keep resisting or you can believe in God. You can trust Him for your salvation. You don't have to shut up. 
could lead to some things. I'm, I've been, well, sometimes I rush in where angel spirit of tread, and there I am, and I keep going, and I need to shut up, and my wife's trying to drag me away, but I don't. But I see that as an example in the scriptures. I mean, Paul was stoned to death outside the city and got back up and went and kept sharing. It wasn't that, well, they looked at me mean, and so I'm not going there no more. Well, they said they didn't want to hear it, so I shut up. I don't see that in Scripture. I see that in the world. I see it in earthly, central, demonic wisdom. I see it in all of our make-believe evangelism books, but I don't see it in the Bible. I don't see making friendships first. I see men dying for their faith, dying to get the word of God out, to get the bread of life out to others because they're doing what Christ did. The example of him in the flesh who died on a cross, his body was broken for us. His blood was spilled for us. That's real. That's what happened in the physical, but in the spiritual, people are seeing the war is won. The battle's over. We don't see the spiritual realm, but we see the ramifications of it. I'm mad. Don't talk to me. Really? Okay, see you later. Go to hell. That's what we're saying when we don't share truth with people. We're okay with their eternal destiny. We're okay to where they're headed. We're okay for their argument. That's a good argument. Okay, that's the way I would believe too. When we have the truth, the word of life, the bread of life. Listen, his flesh, he gave his flesh as an example for us to receive in the spirit and understand that this is how you die to self. This is how you deny your fears. This is how you fulfill your walk with God, your anointing, your calling. It's done in the spirit but we have these bodies that we're doing it in. And you have to beat your body into subjection. What was he going through in the garden? Three times, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. He's beating his body into subjection to go to the cross. And that little Gethsemane is where the cross was won at. Not in the street, not on Golgotha. He won when he determined to go no matter what. What are you determined to do? Oh, just as much as I need to. That's all I need to do. If I've, I've already said my prayer, so I'm going to heaven, so I'm good. Not biblical. Not biblical. If it was biblical, this chapter would not be so long. It just wouldn't be this long. With this much grumbling and murmuring and complaining and Jesus saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Commit to the way I did it. Commit to my example. If you believe in me, you will commit to what I have done in the flesh. That's why Paul says in 12, 1 and 2 of Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering this mercy of God, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the sway of the wicked one, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hear it and learn. Change your mind. 
so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a transformation going on because of the redemption. We're not there yet, but we're going there. We're works in progress. And we're learning to get rid of our strength and surrender and walk by faith and believe in His strength as we get our daily bread, our daily walk, as we spend time with Him daily. Because we've got to come to the conclusion that Peter come to. Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. But if you don't come to that conclusion, you're still looking for a Savior. You're still looking for an out. But when you come to that conclusion, you've got nowhere to go. Except wrestling with God. And he'll always win. Like he took Jacob's socket out. And he walked with a limp. You won't win. He's going to raise you up on the last day. I guess you can consider that winning. Where was I at anyway? Okay, 52. Now 53. Then Jesus, oh, that's what we did was 53. He said, unless you eat my flesh. Oh, shoot, let's do 53. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, messianic term, the one that's anointed to become uh, 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 the Savior of the world, and drink his blood, new covenant. See, some of this becomes more clear to us on this side when we have the scriptures, right? Because we know that communion is now given as sacraments, a holy ceremony, but the bread is nothing and the wine is nothing except for what it is. But it puts you in mind of and remembrance of his body broken and his blood spilled. It puts you in mind of and remembrance of that I'm supposed to be eating the bread of life and drinking the blood because I'm part of the new covenant. But it's not cannibalism. It's the spiritual realm where I'm walking in the newness of life because of this fresh covenant in his blood. Where I'm remembering that my body has nothing to do with this. I'm beating it into subjection and putting it in the grave as I go about the Father's work. But this is not about communion. This is about the cross. This is about resurrection. This is about virgin birth. This is about why he came. His flesh being given his body and his blood. And unless we do it that way, you have no life in you. See, this really becomes the evidence of belief or unbelief. And we're going to see that they go away because of unbelief. They were given an opportunity. Think about it. Truth incarnate. Think about it. The truth of the gospel being spoken before them. Think about it. They seen the miracle. They seen the signs. And what did they say? Show us a sign. What did you just see? Think about it. What did they just see? With 5,000 5, fed, 15,000 fed. I think it's an amazing thing that we can glean more from and more from as you kind of go and look at it. What did they see? With the bread. They seen Christ incarnate, the bread of life. Well, what are you saying, Greg? That they seen all these people fed from these loaves. Jesus, how many people are being fed now because of the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus dying, because of his flesh being broken, because of his blood being spilled? How many people can be fed now? Everyone. 
Everyone. Spiritually. Because the Spirit, through the Father, is drawing them to, to eat of the bread of life. So he didn't just feed 5,000. He didn't just feed 4,000. But as he showed them the sign, he was moving toward this dissertation or sermon or this truth that he, his flesh was going to be broken and handed out to everyone. That his blood was going to be spilt and give to everyone as drink. Not physically, spiritually. And when you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what's he going to do? He's going to raise you up on the last day, just like he raised from the grave, the evidence that we truly believe. But you don't want to find it out then. You want to find it out now. Am I following? Am I looking at the example? Am I dying to self? Or am I playing church like other people play? We don't want to find that out then. Oh, well, I thought I was doing it, and he was going to raise me up. But he says here, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. Whoever, 54, whoever, that's a homesoever, that's everybody, eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Excuse me. But it's a spiritual eating. It's a spiritual consuming. It's a spiritual believing by faith. It's a spiritual commitment. For my flesh is food indeed, meat, meat. Meat indeed, King James. Spiritual food. You know that, the, what is it, the second? And if you go back to Leviticus and you look at the sacrifices, the second one in the King James is called a meat offering. But it's really interesting when you start reading it. It's in Leviticus chapter 2. You start reading it, you go, wait a minute, this is a recipe for bread. I, I never noticed that. It's a recipe for bread. And then when you start looking at the recipe for bread and you realize that it's all about Christ, the bread of life, and then you see that it's not just regular bread, but the bread had to be a, a, a fine flour because the children of Israel and the people of Israel, they all made bread with rough flour. They grind it once. But no, 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 this had to be fine flour. You had to grind it twice. You had to work with it. So now you've got this entire bread. It's called a meat offering and it, and it brings peace with God. It's called a meat offering. It's food indeed. The first one was the burnt offering, which was Christ fully dedicated. Everything that he did, he gave his whole body. The second one is the meat offering, the bread recipe. But you had to plant, you had to plow the field. You had to, you had to be involved. There was involvement. There was work being done, but it was the work for God, not the work for you. Although you physically would eat of the field and bear the fruit. Plow the field. Plant the seed. Trust God for rain, trust God for growth, trust God that it would be there. Then you go back and you harvest the first fruits and you give all that to God. Wait a minute, I'm giving it all to God by faith. And you're trusting that the monsoons don't wash away the rest of your crop while you're giving that to God. And then you come back and you again harvest the fields. And then in order to give the meat offering, you go and grind the grain. 
So now you've planted it, you've watered it, you've waited it, you've trusted God in it, now you've harvested it, now you're a second harvest, and now you're grinding it, and God says, I want it fine flour. So you have to grind it again. You see all this involvement? And yet in the Christian church, we just have, I'm sitting in the pews listening, can't wait to get back to the world to turn each sway of the wicked one and do what I want to do. But there's all this involvement in the recipe for bread where you cease doing what you want to do, and by faith you trust God that he's going to do what he's going to do, and you grind that flour the second time. And then you make the bread, and you get to partake of the meal with God in peace, in rest, and you get to hand it out to others. And then he raises you up on the last day means to stand up again. But you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have to be spiritually digesting, taking in the examples, the work that he has done and by the power of the Holy Spirit going out and becoming doers and not hearers only. Because he says there in 55 again, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwelleth, abides is in my new King James, dwelleth in me and I in him. Now wait till you get to 15.5 because he's going to say, uh, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you're dead. But when you begin to partake of and look at the flesh life that he lived and the example that he gave and the words that he is, listen, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, who's the word? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh. And now he says we have to eat of that flesh. So we have an instruction book as we spend time with it, that it goes in us, and by the Spirit of God, it, it, it draws us into the presence of God and changes us for the glory of God. I can't explain it to you. I really can't. His ways are beyond my ways. But you can have a personal love relationship with Him. If you've come to Him, you don't need me to teach you because the Spirit will. 57, as the living Father, notice we have the living Father. I like that. The living Father, because we're talking about life. Everybody's dead in sin and trespasses, but we have a living Father. We have a living bread, and you can be alive if you receive what the living Father has sent. As the living Father sent me, Jesus, the bread of life, and I live because of the Father. See, his life is because of the Father who sent the Holy Spirit to overshadow a virgin. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to pop. Hang on a minute. I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. Feeds on me. Where's that at? Oh, my goodness. Feeds, listen to me, feeds on me. In the King James, it's eateth me. Eateth me. Got your old King James language. 
and it means to gnaw or to chew. So you can understand if they're carnal-minded and they really don't believe that he's the Messiah, you can start to understand why they walk away. Because this word means to gnaw on me, to gnaw or eat, feeds on me, will live because of me. Listen, you can't, you need your daily bread. Not physical bread. Oh, I know that's important. Get you a meal. He's not telling you to starve to death. But if you're not getting your daily bread, spending time with him in the word, prayer, and fellowship, and feeding, chewing on, digesting, regurgitating, looking at it some more, meditating on it, sharing it with others, make it your life. Fifty-eight. This is the bread which came down from heaven. I don't know how many times he says it. Twelve times. Not as your fathers ate the manna. What is it? And are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. How long is that? Get a calculator. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum, village of comfort. Are you in Capernaum? Are you in a village of comfort? Is that your city? It's going to be important in a minute. Is that your city? Why is that important? Because Iscariot means uh, men of man of the city, man of city. <clears throat> Listen, many people believe that in this time of year, since they were so regimented, that Isaiah fifty four was actually the book that would have been read that morning in the synagogue at Capernaum because they're so regimented in their schedule of how they read through the scriptures. There's people that say that that's what would have been read that day. I don't know that. I'm not Jewish. That would be pretty amazing, though, wouldn't it? But God does stuff like that. And, and the reason I say Isaiah 54 is because he says, and quotes Isaiah 54, 13, um, and they shall all be taught by God. And when you quote scripture, notice we have them numbered chapters and verse. They had scrolls. There was no numbers and verses. And when they would quote a scripture like that, that would take their mind to have memorized uh, the scriptures to that page. They would know if, if, a, if a rabbi or a teacher stood up and said this verse, their mind would automatically go to Isaiah 54. They would know where it was at. It's really hard for us in our culture because we've been taught, say a prayer and you're okay. We haven't been taught to have daily bread, to memorize scripture, to walk out scripture, to learn scripture, to be folded together as we're drawn in intimacy with that scripture because it is the life. It is the blood. It's all. The life is in the blood. So if he is the way, the truth, and the life, then all of it is one. It's all the same thing. I don't know how that works. I like it, but but it's good medicine. You need to feed on the scriptures. Even when you don't understand it, take it in. Take it in. Read it. Well, I didn't understand that. Well, you don't understand the medicine you take either. But you take it because somebody with a PhD behind his name told you to. 
this is the God and the creator that you say you trust in by faith that he's your Messiah. And he's saying, take this word in daily. It'll change your life. It'll allow you to be drawn and folded together and become one with me and understand life itself. Okay, let's keep moving and we'll close this out. I know you guys are only going to take as much as your seats can handle. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, grew in their faith. Oh, that's not what it says. See, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word of God is standing there speaking to them. And they should be receiving it in their heart and being planted in some 30, some 60, some 100 fold growing through it. That is when people like me don't muddy it up. When they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Hard means it's, it's, it's severe. It's rough. It's, it, it's, it, this is hard to understand. But notice it's his disciples. It's those that are his learners and his pupils. Those that have heard and want to learn. Is who this is supposed to be. It's hard to hear. Yours says understand. In the King James, it's translated hear. It's 191 in the Strong's. Hear. Give audience. Come to your ears. Be noised. This is hard to hear. Well, what happened now? Well, Jesus knowing everything. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured, when his disciples complained and grumbled about this, he said to them, he speaks to them. Listen, God already knows your heart. He says, does this, does this offend you? Does this offend you that you should eat my flesh and drink my blood? That you should commit to what I'm doing? That you should be like me? Isn't this what salvation is about? Being delivered back into the image of God? Does this offend you? Does this scandalize you? Scandalon becomes a trap stick, a trip stick. Something that makes you stumble. So he says, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? And they do. Doesn't that help your faith? Does it help your faith to know that Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of God making intercession for you, praying for you? See, when you believe that and you know that, then you know that you're in his hands. Later in Acts chapter 1, remember, he, he's in the grave for, for three days and he raises again and then he spends 40 days with his uh, disciples speaking to them thing, the, the, uh, the things of the kingdom of God. He's teaching them again. They're all being taught by God. And he's speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then, while they watched, he ascends into heaven. And then the angels say, why do you stand and gaze? This same Jesus whom you have seen will come again in the same manner. Go! So they go to the upper room and they wait for the church to be birthed. Acts chapter 2. Meanwhile, what do they do? They get about the business. They, they have replaced Judas, who fed, fell headlong and died after he betrayed the Christ. Sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. He was, he was hungry for the things of this world. Yet he walked with Christ every day 
And he didn't learn from what he was seeing. He didn't learn from what he was experiencing. He didn't learn from what he was hearing. And he continued to desire the things of the wicked one, the things of this earth. His heart continued to be upon the will of the devil and not the will of God. Think about that. Remember when Peter, he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, I'm going to go and die. He says, oh, no, you're not. And Jesus said to him, and I'm paraphrasing, get behind me, Satan. For your desire is not of the things of God, but of the will of the devil. See, we're supposed to learn to desire the things of God. (coughs) Excuse me. That's what we're growing in. We're not supposed to be offended by the truth. It's not supposed to stumble us. We're supposed to leap like deers over it and go, let's go tell somebody the truth. But even when we are offended, Christ comes and reasons. He knows our hearts. And he says, what if you should see me ascend where I was before? And the only reason we're doing all of these scriptures today instead of in two sections is because of verse 63. So you had to hang out for this. I couldn't do it without it. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Are you with me? The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Everything that he said in this entire teaching about this is from the spirit because of the spirit. And they bring life if you hear them in the spirit and are led by the spirit and taught by the spirit. The flesh will profit nothing. Even his body that was flesh on the cross profit nothing except for the fact that it was the anointed by God and he had to go there by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was all done in the Spirit because your flesh is going to profit nothing. Spirit and life. And the very words that he's speaking, that he's uttering, that he's teaching you and I are life if we will receive them. And then he says this in his sovereignty, but there are some of you who do not believe, you do not trust, you're in unbelief. It's the word pistio. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Yes, he knows that. But you cannot remove that from the fact that it's his will for everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to repentance. It's his will that everyone should learn that this is how man should live, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so you can't separate this. God just knows in his sovereignty, in his all-knowing omniscience, he knows every person who came. He knows every person who believed. He knows every person who heard and learned. And then he dispatches angels to protect you until that day. And then you receive the Holy Spirit, the living bread, comes and lives in you when you ingest that truth and begins to transform you from the inside out as you continue to walk daily in that truth. But you must continue, abide, and remain and dwell with him. Or what happens? He's 65, and he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. It's been given. He draws. He gives the Holy Spirit, and you come to him. You believe that truth. It's it's the saving grace. 
And so now we see in verse 66, 666, from that time, many, same word used in Matthew 7, wide is the gate to destruction and death, and many find it. Many go in there by it. Many of his disciples went back and walked peripateo with him no more. They walked away. Many of his disciples were allowed to walk away instead of committing to living and following him, to committing to the bread of life, committing to eating his flesh and drinking his blood, committing to his kingdom, his way. By the Spirit of God. Notice it's 666 on purpose. God allowed that. They went back and walked with him no more. When you hear hard stuff in the Bible, what do you do? Do you search it out? Do you seek it out? Do you quit talking about it? Do you ignore it? See, a lot of people teach topical messages through the Bible because they don't have to touch on any of the hard stuff. But when you just teach all the words of God, the full counsel of God, you can say, I have not failed to give you the full counsel of God. Even if all I did was read it to you, I would give you the full counsel of God and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That's the number of man. The number of the Antichrist, 666, right? You don't have to stay there. You don't have to walk away. You don't have to say, I'm not going to walk with him no more because it's a hard understanding. It's hard to hear. It's hard to follow because you have seven, 67. Look at 67 because Jesus steps in. Jesus will ask you where your heart's at. Jesus will search you and know you. He will try you if you ask him to. He said to the 12, that's the dozen, do you also want to go away? Free will here. What's your choice? Do you want to go away? That's too much. I can't commit to that, Lord. I can't, I can't come on Sunday. I can't commit to, 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 to fellowship. I can't commit to finding out what my gifts and talents and abilities are. I can't commit to eating your flesh and drinking your blood. I cannot commit to this covenant. Do you want to go away? Does it offend you? Do you want to go away? Here, it means to withdraw or retire. I told you you shouldn't retire. It's not biblical. <laughs> just, a, just a joke. But be careful with retirement taking your leisure and forgetting what you've been called to do. And then again, Simon Peter, who speaks up and he gets a lot of things right. He gets a lot of things right, doesn't he? Because he's growing. Simon means heard. That's what it means, heard. Oh, what, what? When you heard and you learn, now he's learning. Peter means rock. Or stone. He speaks up and answers the Lord. Lord, 
kurios, supreme in authority, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe, that's pistio, and to know, this is all by experience and by learning, by growing, by hearing and learning, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Holy One of God. You are the anointed, the Mashiach of God. You're the one that has been sent to walk in with them three plus years. Jesus' response, verse 70, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? The 12, how did he choose them? He was in prayer. The father told him which ones to choose. The dozen, the 12, that's what it means, 10 and 2, a dozen. And one of you is a devil. Once again, it's diablos. It's the word used for Satan. Because when your heart is still on the way of the world, on your sin nature, living for sin and self and Satan, then, then it's a devil. Just like he told Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you're not mindful of the things of God. You're still mindful of the things of this world, the physical, and that's what you're pursuing. And that's to be underneath the spirit of Antichrist. To be looking at things underneath wickedness when you should be eating my flesh and drinking my blood, committed to me, listening to my Holy Spirit, not for salvation, but because of salvation. It's the evidence thereof that there's fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you as a devil? And of course, he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, hmm. the son of Herd. Judas is Judas. It means praise. Iscariot means um, men of Kirioth, or in Hebrew, it means man of the city. Town, man on the town. You ever heard those terms? It's a man of this world and not of God's word. God's world. God's ways. And then we have the commentary for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve. And betray means to put him in prison, to deliver him up, to surrender him to the authorities. What are we going to do when we hear truth? Are we going to surrender that truth to a prison like they did with John the Baptist? He came preaching. They put him in prison and cut his head off, silenced him. Or do we declare, as Simon Peter did, the rock, we're building on this foundation, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Is that the bread you're eating today? Do you understand that? There's not an argument. Now, you can, you can reason with him. You can murmur and you can complain, but there is no argument. Either fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you and crush you. And that's the love of God, that if you believe him and trust him, he will raise you up on the last day. That's a promise from the good hands people. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. But have you walked away and you're not walking with him anymore? No more? 
because of some hard saying, because of something that he's asked you to do. The first of the I am's set up by feeding the masses, which is what he wants to do now. And so many walk away and they don't receive the bread of life. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, there's so much that we don't understand. But we know that you give us wisdom and understanding as we need it. And so we come to you. And we want to hear, Lord, your word. And we want to learn and grow, Lord. And we want to go and tell others. We want to teach them by just sharing your word, Lord. We pray that you would draw all men to yourself. Bring them to repentance, Lord, that they would change their mind and learn from you and follow you. That we would not do what thou wilt, but we would do what we learn from you. We would be doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your flesh and your blood. Thank you that we now have communion that's been instituted to remember what you did in the flesh. Your body was broken. Your blood was spilled for us. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Give us a desire to go and teach all nations. Thank you for your bread. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I am.